During the uh, first song this morning, I sat up there with Josh, and so that's an interesting view. Uh, so anyway, uh, you probably wondered where I was, and the uh, uh, reason I walked in late, I was up with Josh. So uh, we're going to be in the book of, uh, uh, book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at something uh, very interesting this morning. So Acts chapter 9, if you'll turn there. And let's stand together as we, uh, as we read. We're going to read down through verse 7. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. And we stand in honor of God's holy word. And Saul, and once again, he later becomes who? He later becomes Paul. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priests and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, now that, that phrase, this way, is a reference to Christians. Okay? If he found any uh, of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, so he got, got close to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he, fell, he, excuse me, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice unto him saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he, Saul, said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. So he, he had a visit with Jesus there. Whom thou persecutest... It is hard for thee to kick against the, the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, that be Damascus, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Lord, as we study this portion of scripture in Paul's life. Oh Lord, help us to glean what you want us to glean. Help us to see the things that uh, need to be in our lives. Lord, I pray for each one, including myself, each one in earshot of my voice here, that uh, as we do venture into this new year, that it would be a year like none other in our service to you. God, help us to uh, renew what needs to be renewed and to dedicate to you our entire lives, our service to you. Lord, we pray once again that things this morning would be done to your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. You may be seated. Now, last week uh, we looked at uh, a few things regarding the birth of Christ, and I entitled last week's message, God Has a Plan. And so I've entitled this one, God Has a Plan, part two. So uh, uh, we're going to look at, as we did last week, we're going to see, vividly see God at work and so last week, see if you remember this, last week we looked at Caesar Augustus, do you remember that? And he had no power except what God uh, permitted him to have, what God gave to him. Now he thought he had a whole lot of power on his own, but 
God is sovereign. God is powerful. And we also talked about Mary and Joseph. You remember that? And it looked like Mary and, jo- and, Mary and Joseph were alone. But in reality, God was with them. And, you know, what, what an example. God is with his people. If you're a child of God, he is with you right now. No matter what valley you walk through, no matter where you go, he is with you. And then we talked about the shepherds, and the shepherds set such a great example. Now this, remember we we had mentioned that the shepherds were the uh, lower rung of society. Bad reputations. And God first appeared to them in, in, uh, when it came to the birth of Christ. And he, he uh, told them the good news. And those shepherds, they set a great example by spreading the gospel. They spread the good news. And that needs to be an integral part of each one of our lives. And, and, and here's why. Because Jesus changes everything changes it all so things change with Jesus now this morning we're going to go a step further we're still looking at God's plan God is and this is what you know as we look at one of the one of the questions this morning that we're going to look at is is the will of God concerning the will of God and I think that that a lot of times we talk about the will of God and we talk about it on a surface, uh, you know, on the surface, should I say, and not really understanding what we're talking about when we, when we do discuss the, the will of God. And so uh, hopefully as we go further uh, that we can talk even more about uh, the character of the will of God what it, what it actually is. But one of the things you have to realize when you're talking the will of God is that our God is a planning God. Now, that's crucial with regard to the will of God. He is not a reactionist. He plans. And I believe that is one of the major things that he has wanted us to understand over these, over last Sunday and this Sunday. He is a planning God. And boy, we can sure see that as we look at the birth of Christ. And, you know, even as we back up the Sunday before and we looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth and God saying, look, uh, you're going to have a son. And you're going to, I want you to name him John. And God even talked about that back in the Old Testament in Isaiah. And so here we get into this morning, and it's, it's crucial that we, we see our Lord not as a reactionist, that, you know, okay, he reacts to what, uh, and then he develops a plan. No, he is a planning God. So this morning, uh, as we venture into this new year, uh, 2020. I think that is an interesting name for a year. 2020. Uh, we're going to look at three questions pertaining to that. And uh, first, this is the first question this morning. 
Do you, I had to ask myself this, do you earnestly pray for others? Do you earnestly pray? Second question I had to ask myself, Craig, are you following Jesus? So this morning I want you to ask yourself that. That's the second question. Are you, are you following Jesus? Are you on the right path? And then third, the third question, the third point is do you really want God's will in your life? Do you want his, and his will is perfect, and oftentimes we'll throw that word in there. Do you want his perfect will? That is his will. Do you want his will in your life? Do you really want that? Do you really want what God wants? And so let's look at the first one. Do you earnestly pray for others? And let's do a little bit of a review. We can gain some insight into Paul, Saul, by looking at Philippians chapter 3. Now, you don't, no need to turn there. Let me read a couple of verses to you in Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about his uh, before Christ days, his B.C. days. In verse 5 of chapter 3 of Philippians, he says this, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I was, he said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, he says, I was a Pharisee. And he goes on in verse 6, he says, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Touching righteousness, which is in the law, in other words, the, the law, he says, I was blameless. So here, that, that, that is Paul in his before Christ days. He says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the law. I was blameless. As far as the church, I persecuted the church. That's what he did. Now, Paul's life was in opposition to Jesus. He, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, but his life was in opposition to Jesus. Do you know someone like that? Philippians chapter 3 mentions, excuse me, Philippians 3, 6 mentions that he persecuted the church. And I might say that is no small thing. Paul was, when he was Saul, he was absolutely 100% dangerous to the church. Here's what Acts, and you can write these verses down. Acts 22, verse 4. Let me give you this one. No need to turn there. You can if you want. I'll read them to you. Acts 22, verse 4. It says, Luke says this about Paul. He, and Paul is actually talking, but uh, in Luke, uh, excuse me, in Acts 22, 4. He says, and I persecuted this way, meaning the Christians, unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. That's what he was on his way to do, as we read here in chapter 9. In Acts 26, verses 10 and 11, it says, it says this about Paul, that he gave his voice against the Christians and compelled them to blaspheme. In other words, deny Christ or you're going to jail. Deny Christ or I'll kill you. I mean, it's that kind of thing. 
Acts 26, 11, and we'll talk about Acts 26 when we get to the invitation as well. Acts 26 is a precious chapter. It's, it's, it's precious. Acts 26, 11, Paul says that he persecuted Christians to strange cities. That means far away cities. That's what he was doing this morning. As, or that's what he was doing in our passage that we read this morning when he was going to Damascus. Acts 8, 3. Acts 8, 3 says that he made havoc of the church. It says that he... Uh, it talks about him hailing them. In other words, that is dragging them out of their houses. That's what he did. He, per he had this zeal about him concerning the church that he was, he was going to do it in. So that's what he was 100% dangerous to the church. Galatians, Paul says this in Galatians 1.13. He says, I wasted the church of God. Now, the word wasted, I looked it up, it means this. He ravaged it. He sacked it. He wanted to do it in. He wanted to wipe out the church. Very dangerous man. So now, um, Josh, if you could put up that uh, map. So you can see Damascus all the way at the top. And then you can see Jerusalem down all oh, middle ways there, uh, right, ab right above Bethlehem. And we talked about Bethlehem last, uh, last week. So probably a trip of some six to seven days, depending on who you were, how fast you could walk, uh, you know, 140, 150 miles. Maybe by foot, that's what I happen to think, but the Bible doesn't disclose all that there may have been some horses involved I don't know uh, six or seven six or seven days which way would he have gone well right above Jerusalem in that in that area there is a place called Samaria and so would he have gone through Samaria he was we I read you some verses he was a Pharisee he was a Hebrew of Hebrews I kind of think he would have gone around Samaria. The Bible doesn't tell us he may have crossed over the Jordan River and gone the other side, gone around uh, until he got up to Galilee and then got back in and, and gone north. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us those things uh, exactly. But I, I oftentimes wonder, what was, what was he thinking about as he traveled those six to seven days, however long it took him to, to get there, 140, 150 miles one way? Uh, maybe he was thinking about Stephen, you know, uh, Stephen the martyr, the first martyr, first recorded martyr that we know of. Um, Stephen is talked about in Acts chapter 7, and Paul, Saul, was there. Uh, verse 58, if you, uh, you could write that down, they laid their garments at his feet, uh, Maybe he was thinking about Stephen. He saw that. He saw what had happened there. Uh, maybe he was thinking about his teacher, G uh, Gamaliel. Maybe he was thinking about what he had taught him. Uh, uh, I personally think that as he got closer, he's probably thinking about how am I going to round all these, these Christians up? And so uh, what am I going to do with them? How, what am, how are we going to do all this? 
And so let's look back at verse or chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And Saul breathing out, he was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Okay, so he's going up there to do some damage. Against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest, which was the high priest was at uh, Jerusalem, and he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. Now, the synagogues are interesting. That's going to be their place of worship. Now, there was only one temple, and that temple was in Jerusalem. So uh, the synagogues were scattered in these other cities. There was only one temple. The synagogues faced the temple. So many synagogues and uh, uh, these, uh, these Jewish Christians would use those possibly. The Jews would use them. Uh, but it says, it mentions synagogues, so apparently there was more than one. In, uh, in Damascus, that if he found any of this way, if he found any Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. That's what he was after. So no doubt, the people of Damascus, I, I kind of feel like they might have gotten a little warning. He was on his way, and uh, they're preparing for what I would label a tornado by the name of Saul. They needed desperate help from God. And I'm sure they were praying. And so the big, the first question this morning is, do you earnestly, I had to ask myself this, Craig, do you earnestly pray for others? Earnestly would mean, do you genuine, genuinely pray for others? Do you passionately pray for others? Do you, uh, from the bottom of your heart, pray for others? That's, uh, that's so important. Uh, just recently, uh, just over the past few weeks, I literally saw the Lord answer four distinct prayers of mine. And these were pretty major prayers. I dis- I, and and I'm, I'm amazed. He answered them in a way that only he could do. And I don't deserve that. I, I'm the lowest, I'm lower than the piece of dirt down there on the floor. I don't deserve that kind of grace. But I want you to think for just a moment of the, and, and we've talked about this before, think of the most hardened individual that you know. Maybe it's a friend, an employee, a, a fellow employer, a fellow employee, maybe it's a, a neighbor, a child. Uh, a grandchild, I want you to think about that. Think about that person. And you know, sharing Jesus with that person can make you a little nervous, can it not? I mean, they're hardened. They don't want to hear about Jesus. And you want to share Jesus with them. Sometimes it can be a little scary. And I believe that part of the message that God has given me this morning is keep praying for them. Don't quit. Uh, pray that, that God would change their hearts. They would have a serious heart change. And, and pray that God would give you the words to say to that person, whoever it is. And there's, 
uh, probably some in here, that as I mentioned the most hardened individual, there's somebody that came to your mind more than likely. I want you to, I, I believe that, that God gave me that to say, don't quit. Keep praying for them. Keep praying that they would have a heart change. You know, my wife is a prayer warrior. I, I stand amazed. I, I tell people oftentimes, I married up. I'm telling you, she is a prayer warrior. And so she has four or five people that she knows are Jews, and she's praying for them. And these are uh, heathen Jews, uh, a fellow by the name of Howard Stern. You ever heard of him? She's praying for him. God, would you change his heart? Uh, Barbara Streisand is another one. She's praying for. I know there's there's four or five on her list, and she uh, and she didn't just talk about it. I mean, she is on her knees praying for these people. I thank God for her. Can you imagine telling somebody? Can you you imagine telling Paul about Jesus? Can you imagine that? Now somebody did, and who was it? Starts with an S. Stephen. Stephen's the one. He he uh, he told a whole group of them in Acts chapter seven. And Paul was there. Saul was there, and you can see that in in uh, verse fifty eight of uh, chapter seven. And it was difficult. It was a hard thing, but he endured. And uh, I want to meet that guy. I want to meet Stephen. He endured. In the face of much opposition, he was a witness. You see, some people will pray for others for a while, maybe a month or two, uh, maybe three months, but I'm talking about earnestly praying for people for a long time, maybe for years, for that specific person that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so as we, as we enter into, as we get prepared to enter into uh, 2020, the year, let's be the prayer warriors. See, I'm including myself in that. Let's be the prayer warriors that God has called us to be. As I was preparing for this message, I'm telling you, he did some work on me. There's some people I need to pray for. I want to be the prayer warrior that uh, that God wants me to be. That God wants me to be. I am convinced that the Lord has brought specific people into each one of our lives. He has uh, allowed us to cross paths this side of eternity with specific people, and it's for a reason. He is after them. Oh, we need to pray for them. So. May 2020, now I wrote this down, may 2020 also be the year that we pray for, we earnestly pray for the, 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 the pastor that the Lord wants. Now, let me ask you something, and I had to ask myself this. You've been praying for that? Have you earnestly been praying for that? May 2020 be that year. We're going to pray for him before he gets here. And then we're going to pray for him after he gets here. 
We're just going to keep praying for him. You know, this morning, I prayed for my brother-in-law. I pray for him all the time. He's, he's pastoring however many miles that is away, seven, eight miles away. I pray for him all the time. He's already the pastor there. I just keep praying for him. Lord, bless his words. I want to pray for this, this man, this future man here, whoever he is. Maybe he's in this room. Pray for that future man. So are you passionately, are you earnestly praying for others? See, I'm pointing at myself too. Are you praying for others? Craig, are you praying for others? I believe as we go into 2020, that's what God wants us to do. Passionately praying for others. Just a little side note. You know, I don't want to run out of time here, so i got to be cautious on, on chasing rabbits, but this just came to my mind. I'll tell you, you know, as you look at the political scene and all that goes on, there are some, some people in our government that would like to pull us away from God. And this has been my prayer. God, would you close their mouths I'm not praying for injury to come to them. Lord, would you, would you close their mouths? In other words, foil their attempts to pull us away from you. But Lord, would you save their souls? Would you, and you can, you can think about whoever, uh, whoever that is, okay, that you know when you watch the news. Lord, would you save that person? Would you get a hold of their lives? And Lord, foil their attempts. I'm not praying for injury to come to them. I think we have to be careful about, uh, those are called, uh, uh, when you're praying for, uh, and I know David prayed for, for that, but he's, he's, a unusual, he's an unusual cat, okay? Those are called precatory prayers, where you're praying for, Lord, would you, would you destroy that person? I, I think we've got to be careful with that. We want to pray that God would get a hold of these people's lives, that he would save their souls, and that they would not be successful in their attempts to pull us away from him. So do you earnestly pray for others? Number two, are you following Jesus? Let's read again verses 1 and 2. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. I mean, this guy, he was, he was on the wrong path. He's breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He desired, down in verse 2, he desired letters from the high priest to Damascus, uh, the synagogues, that if he found any, if he found any Christians, whether they were men or woman, women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. That's what he was after, and he was, he was resisting Jesus. He was on the wrong path. He was in opposition to Jesus. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, friend, if you're living in opposition to the Word of God, you're on the wrong path. If you're living in opposition to the, this, this book is entirely about Jesus Christ. From cover to cover, from can to can't, it's about Jesus and so if we're in opposition to this word, we're in opposition to, to Jesus, and we're on the wrong road. Paul was on the wrong road. And the end of that road of being in opposition to Jesus is devastating. It is, it is hard 
Look at verse 3. And it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, he got close, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. It was a brilliant light, and it was Jesus. We know that from verse 5. It tells us, Jesus says, I am Jesus. That's who he saw. Now, there's another verse. You can write this down. This is a crucial verse, and it's a, it's a wonderful verse to memorize. This is a portion of the verse. It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, now listen to this. It says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He uses those words, at all. No darkness at all. And so uh, I'm reminded as I even read that and even say that, that uh, I'm reminded of Job where it says he uses, God uses the word eschewed when he talks about Job. In other words, he would have nothing to do with evil. He would have nothing to do with darkness. And that describes us as Christians. We're not supposed to even fool around with darkness. Now, we're sheep. That, the, the, the Bible calls us sheep. And we have a, a propensity to stray, oh, to wander off. But we're not supposed to do that. See, uh, God gives us clear direction that there's a difference between light and darkness. And we're not supposed to fool around with darkness at all. It says, it says God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Absolutely None. Now look at verse 4. It says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And it even goes on and says, uh, He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, that word persecutest, uh, Pricks is animal prods. Paul was hurting Christians. And uh, the Lord was getting a hold of his, his life. Paul was kicking against that. Saul was persecuting Christians. He was hurting Christians. And Jesus, uh, you can see in verse 4, he says, Why do you persecute me? So Paul's hurting these Christians. Essentially, he's hurting Jesus. He's hurting Jesus. Look at your life. Are you resisting God? As I was preparing for this, I had to ask myself that. Craig, are you resisting God? You need to get on the right path. Are you following Jesus? Are you following the light? Uh, that uh, following the light would be uh, synonymous to, are you Christ-like? Are you choosing the wisdom way? Are you choosing to follow this? Uh, see, we would use those terms interchangeably. Uh, walking in the light. Being Christ-like. Following the wisdom way. That's the right way. That's the right path. Are you on that path? That's the second question this morning. You know, I know I've told you this. I've told you about this buddy of mine that perished. Uh, I watched him perish. Uh, I watched him perish back when we were going into the ninth grade. Matter of fact, uh, July the 2nd of that year. 
And uh, uh, I watched him drown. And the, the thing that, I don't think I've told you this part, the thing that was just, uh, that, that is so, it has captured my mind over the years, is I can remember him raising his hand but he stayed underwater. It was, it was like he was in trouble. And he was. He was, in, he was in dire need. He needed help. And I know I've told you this. I was a Christian at that time. I had, I had uh, I received the Lord as my Savior when I was 12 years old. And Ricky, my friend who perished, uh, I just don't know. I was not a good example. And uh, I never... At the, to this day, I can't remember a time when I ever said, Hey, Ricky, I got saved last night, or I got, I got saved recently. Uh, hey, Rick, why don't you, you want to go to church with me? I, I never remember saying that to him. Uh, instead, I was a knucklehead, and uh, I was a bad example. And so Ricky was in, he was, Ricky was in, in, he, he was in need of help. He needed help. Uh, to this day, I don't know where Ricky is. I just don't. It runs chills up my spine. Even as I stand up here and say that, it runs chills up my spine to even think where he might be. I just do not know. Um, So look at our lives. May 2020 be a profound year, not only in the life of this church, a profound year in our lives, in my life, in your life, like never before, like never before. And, and I'll tell you, it's going to take for that to happen. Those, those can't be just words. May 2020 be a profound year in our lives, in this church as, as well, of us following Jesus, following that path. And that's going to take a constant uh, determination and a uh, not just a constant determination, but a conscious determination. Uh, matter of fact, students, I know we have some students in here. As you go back to, as you go back to school, uh, let it be the new you. That's, you know, one of the things I like about the school business is you, got, you have these, these periods of time where uh, you get to kind of start over. So as you go back, let them see something different in you. A, a, a determination to follow Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. That's what Ricky Reed needed to see in me. And that's what your friends need to see in you. They need to see this, this young man, this young lady, they're following Jesus. And how they speak and how they, the things they do, how they act. That's what they need to see above all. So the first thing this morning, do you earnestly pray for others. And then, are you following Jesus? Paul was on the wrong road. He thought he was on the right road, but he was opposing Jesus. He was on the wrong road. The next one, do you really want God's will in your life? You really want that? That's significant. It's a life changer. Uh, Look down at verse 6. It says, and he trembling and astonished, that's Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, What would you have me do? What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, this is Jesus talking. He says, arise and go into the city, go on into Damascus, and it shall be told you what you must do. 
And uh, as a matter of fact, it's the same mindset when you see that uh, in verse 6 where Paul says, what do you want me to do? It's the same mindset over in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 where Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Saul's heart was completely changed. Now, that right there is an encouragement to keep praying for, for that person that is hardened. If Saul's heart can be changed, we need to keep praying. Just keep praying. Passionately, earnestly praying. And, and, and I believe with all my heart that the people up in Damascus were praying. They knew there was a danger out there, and they were praying. Uh, Saul's heart was, was, uh, was changed. He was brought to his knees, and he never thought, he never thought he would be w- one of the ones that he was chasing. He never thought that. So do you have that mindset right now? Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you say, Lord. I'll do whatever you say. I'll follow you. I'll follow you with all my heart. I can't remember. Now, here again, this, this thought just crossed my mind. So I have to, I need to say it. Uh, and, and I can't remember exactly how he said this, but he said it. Uh, Jerry Falwell, some of you remember him. The man had more energy, and I wondered where he got that energy. But he said this. Now, I'm, I'm messing up his quote, okay? But you'll get the gist of it. He said, I don't have time to rest. i got to follow Jesus. It was something like that. He said, I'll rest when I get to heaven. I'm going to work for him right now that was it and do you have that mindset lord i will do whatever it is you want me to do i desire your will for my life that's what god wants listen god has the lord has 2020 in his hand he has your 2020 and my 2020 in his hand and he wants his perfect will to be done in us So all of us ask this question to ourselves. Is that what we want? Do you want that? Do you want that for your family, dads, moms, grandmas and grandpas, young people? You want that? God's will. Lord, have your perfect will in my life. Let's skip down to verse, verse 10. I want to show you this. Verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. This is powerful named Ananias. <laughs> Certain disciple at, Dam- at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. Now that street's still there. As a matter of fact, Damascus is one of the oldest cities in the world. And you, if you could Google that street, and uh, that street, Straight, is still there. It's called a straight street, a uh, street which you call straight. And inquire, this is the Lord talking, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. In verse 12, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. See, Saul was blinded for a period of time. 
Verse 12, excuse me, uh, verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Verse 15, But the Lord said unto him, Said unto Ananias, Go your way. For he, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now, Ananias, it mentions Ananias and Judas right there. Now, for all I can find out, this is the only place that those are there. They're not mentioned anywhere else. Now, you might be able to stump me on that, but these guys were not apostles. They were not uh, prophets. They were just ordinary men, ordinary couple of ordinary guys following Jesus. That's what they were doing. And God says to Ananias, Ananias, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over to Judas's house because there's a guy by the name of Saul there. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about this guy. He's dangerous. And, uh, you know, there's a verse now. You've you got to know this verse. If 2020 is going to be the, the year that we follow God like never before, we've got to know this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given it to us. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, so when we start getting that fear like that, we've got to understand that it didn't come from God. Now, we've, we need to fear God. It's not talking about that. But this fear, Lord, I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm scared. Lord, I, I can't get up there in the pulpit and preach. We need to understand that fear, that didn't come from God. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us that spirit of fear, but of power and of Love and of a sound mind. So Ananias obeyed. God said, Ananias, just go on and go over there because he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to do some preaching to the Gentiles. See, that was a part of God's plan. This was not a reactionary thing. God already had that planned. And so Ananias obeyed. Ananias was convinced to risk his life to go stand in the presence of Saul. That's a big deal. So do you really want God's will in your life? You know, I look at Ananias. I look at Saul, Paul. If you really want God's will, he may ask you to do some things, some big things, some things that you can't even imagine doing. He may ask you to do that. But you don't have to fear because he's with you. He's with you. He's with his, his people. So we're going to enter into a time of invitation. And uh, let's, uh, boy, that was a heavy breath, wasn't it? Uh, we're going to enter into a time of invitation. And I want you to think about these three. Do you earnestly pray for others? Maybe there's someone God has laid on your heart this morning as we've even talked about that. 
are you on the path of following Jesus? And do you really want his will? Do you really want God's will in your life? See, I'm talking about unusual commitment. So there's a lot of people that, oh, they, they'll talk about it. Yeah, I want, I want God's will. And, but they're like leaves in the wind. Or they'll pray for someone for a little while. But you take someone like Paul or a Peter or a Daniel, these men were unusually committed. May that be our year, 2020. Unusual commitment. Now, maybe there's, some, maybe, maybe there's someone that needs to come down front and kneel down at the altar and, and just pray. Maybe God has laid somebody on your heart for, to do that. Uh, let me tell you something. There's a passage, passage of Scripture in Acts, and it's Acts 26. You should write that down. Acts 26, I mentioned it earlier. In Acts 26, Paul, who we just read about, that, whose life was changed, God used him. That was a part of God's plan to use him to witness to the Gentiles. I am so thankful for that. So in Acts 26, he is witnessing to some kings. One notable, notable king by the name of King Agrippa. And Paul, it is so good to go back and see how Paul witnessed to him. I mean, this man was, I'm talking about Agrippa, was powerful. And Paul starts early on, and he just tells the history. And then he tells about the crucifixion of Jesus. He lays out the gospel to King Agrippa. And then, I don't know, it's, it's over about verse 26, 27, somewhere along in there. He says, he looks at King Agrippa, and he says, King Agrippa, very humbly, he says, King Agrippa, you believe. You believe, don't you? Now, you know the words. King Agrippa, it, broke, it breaks my heart thinking about it, thinking about maybe where King Agrippa is today. King Agrippa said this to Paul. He said, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. You almost persuaded me. Oh, I pray that King Agrippa, before he died, I pray that he realized the truth. I pray that we'll get to see him one of these days. But he said those words over in verse 28 of Acts 26. He said, Paul, you almost persuaded me. Paul had a passion for telling people about Jesus. I pray that that would be our passion. That's God's will. Let's stand together. If you need to come forward and you need to pray at the altar, hey, this morning is the morning to do that. May this be uh, starting right now as we prepare for 2020. May it be the year of profound change in our lives. Lord, I pray that today you would show us the things that need to change in our lives, including myself, Lord. Are there some things that need to go, Lord, to make us more like you? Help us to be more today, and as we venture into 2020, more of what you want us to be. Lord, show us the people you want us to pray for. 
God, I pray that your perfect will would be done in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, as we sing to